Duncan started this uh, series last week on um, ships, uh, the battleship series, and uh, he told us about various ships that we're going to look at um, over the next few weeks. Uh, well, we did leadership last week, and that was Duncan talking about um, the uh, servant leadership, wasn't it? And also uh, the qualities or qualifications of elders and deacons and all that kind of stuff. It was a great sermon. Do listen to it if you haven't listened to it. And then today we're doing membership, which we'll come on to. And the next week we'll do fellowship and the week after that partnership. All these ships, isn't it great? I did look up the suffix ship, by the way. It turns a noun into a noun. Did you know that? Yeah, it's a different kind. It just changes the meaning of it. You have a member and then you have membership, you see. And it's still a noun, but it's a different kind of noun. It talks about the kind of quality or the property of being a member. Professor, professorship, friend, friendship, all that kind of stuff. So there are lots of ships, but these are the ships we're looking at um, in this series. And um, it's a two-point sermon, okay? Um, but they're quite long points, so, you know. But I thought we'd start off by talking about what is a local church? And we'll just think about that for a little bit. And then what should church members do? Or what are the responsibilities of church members, and I'll spend more time on that because that's the main subject today, isn't it? Membership. So what is a local church? Well, you may know that the Greek word is ecclesia, which means uh, assembly or congregation or gathering. So a def good definition of church is a group of believers who assemble regularly to worship and fellowship. That's what it is, a group of people that meet together for worshipping, for fellowshipping, for glorifying God. And that verse in Hebrews um, says, let us uh, consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some of the habit is doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So I thought I'd ask you, what should a local church do? I'll ask you to think about this. What does the Bible say that churches should do. And I'm going to give you two minutes to talk to the person next to you and see how many things you can come up with that the Bible says churches should do. I've found 14 things. I don't think that's a comprehensive list. How many can you think of? See, have a, Just have a chat with the person next to you and uh, see what do you think the Bible says that churches should do. Right, have you um, got all lots of ideas there? Yep. Anybody come up with any ideas of things that churches should do? Bible says. What does the Bible say churches should do? Come on, throw me some ideas. Somebody throw me some ideas. What do we have there? Sorry? Any ideas? Come on. Worship, says the worship leader. Okay. That's a good one. Um, uh, have Share communion. That's a good one. Yes. 
spiritual food, teaching, let's say. Yeah, that's good. Um, somebody said prayer, did they? Who was that? Up there, right, Becca, yeah. Prayer, that's definitely on the agenda. Study the word, very good. Yep. Make disciples. Make disciples. Good one. Yep. What do you say? Encourage. encourage other people. Yep. Encourage people. Feed widows. Feed widows. And the orphans. And the needy. Social action. Social action. Yep. Um, what was that? Sharing things. Sharing things. Sharing things. Okay. Serving. Baptizing. Baptizing. Yep. Good one. What do you say? Grow in faith. Grow in faith. Bury the dead. What do you say? Bury the dead. Bury the dead. So there is, there's, there's um, dedications, weddings, funerals, all those things. Yep. That's good. Yep. Um, Yeah, these are good things. All good things, right? You've got more than I got, so well done. I got sing worship, which is uh, Manuela, and, and we've done some of that already. Pray, yep, it says there in the Bible, first of all, pray for kings and those in authority and various other things. And then there's also praying for the sick, and I'll, raising the dead, we'll get into that, okay? Um, so we'll count that all as prayer, okay? Preach the word, study the word, all that kind of stuff, that's in there, definitely. Um, love one another, did somebody say that? Did we miss that one? <laughs> Dear me. Love one another. Okay, we need to see that. Fellowship, we had that kind of thing. Um, we'll talk about that next week. Disciple, we had that. Uh, baptizing, we had that. Facilitate spiritual gifts. Well, we talked about raising the dead, so, you know, maybe we got there. Um, equipping the saints for ministry. Did we have that one? Maybe not. Um, celebrate the Lord's Supper, we had that one. Practice church discipline. Ah, we didn't have that one. It's not a popular one. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, witness to the world, evangelism. Yeah. Did we have that one? Yeah. We had that one. Good. Um, Life of the world, similar kind of thing. Social action, we had that as well. Um, and some other things that I didn't get as well. So, um, so that's great. So now let's think about then, what are the responsibilities of church members? And what should church members, that's you and I, that's everyone in this room today, um, what should we do as part of our local church. Your church needs you. I was thinking of getting that World War I poster um, for this, but I thought this would do. Um, we're needed. Every person is needed, and God has a role for every one of us. And I thought I'd start by reading uh, this passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, um, verses 12 to 26, which is about the body of Christ, isn't it? You're probably familiar with it, but let me just read um, these words to you because it does emphasize that we are all um, needed in the body of Christ. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? 
As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor can the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honourable, we bestow the greater honour, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honour to the part that lacked it, that there be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honoured, all rejoice together. So you see what Paul's saying there? The body is made up of all these different parts. And whenever I'm sick, I sort of realise how important every little part of my body is. If my little toe's got a, you know, like an ingrown toenail or something, I feel it. And I feel like my whole body's sick, you know? And it's my little toe and it means I can't run and I can't walk and I can't... Whatever it is, or if my stomach is sick, then my whole body is sick, or my eyes sick, or my skin is sick. You know, it's all these different parts matter. And they all, if then unless, if they're, unless they're all functioning, all functioning well, then I'm not a well person, all right? I'm only a well person is every bit of my body is actually working well. And that is an illustration of the church. Every bit, every person, every person in the church needs to be functioning, engaged with God, worshipping and using their gifts and just playing their part in the church in order for the church to be healthy. Every person matters. If one person in the church is not well, then the whole church is not well in a sense. Right? If one person is not functioning, is not really playing their role, then it's harming the whole church. Every person matters. Every person makes a difference and we all affect each other and we're because we're in a relationship, we all relate to each other and affect each other in terms of our, our attitudes and the, what we're doing and how we are and what we say to people. It all affects the whole body of the church. And that's how important is the role of being a member of a church. So we said this kind of thing. Ask not what your church can do for you. Ask what you can do for your church. Isn't that good? Um, little kind of motto. Ask not what your church can do for you. Ask what you can do for your church. When did you last think about church in that way? Because the thing is, we live in a very consumeristic society, don't we? Right? We're always thinking, what can I get out of this? And what can I get out of that? And can I get this? And can I get that? And how is this helping me? And how is that helping me? And we tend to adopt a consumeristic attitude to church as well. What is church doing for me? But that's the wrong way around. It's what can I do for the church? How can I help the church? What can I do to serve the church? And we need to shift our thinking around from being consumeristic, as we think so much of the time. But when it's church, it's not consumeristic. It's the opposite. It's how can we give? It's how can we share? It's how can we contribute? It's how can we help? How can we serve? And that's the attitude that we need to have as uh, church members, um, what can we do for the church? So, here's a list of things that I think are responsibility to church members. Are. Number one, not necessarily in priority order, but there we are, I've put it this one as number one, um, is that verse that I quoted earlier on. Let us consider 
how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Somebody said encouraging, didn't they? Um, and that's here in this verse. We need to encourage each other. Come back to that later on. But the, the point of this verse here, as I'm quoting it, is for attending, for meeting, actually. And it's the importance of meeting. And that the writer of Hebrews um, is talking in a context of persecution when it's possibly dangerous, uh, physically dangerous, to gather and meet. And he's saying, don't give up meeting, even when it's dangerous, even when you know, there are risks to it, serious risks to it. Don't give up meeting, because meeting is important. Meeting matters, gathering matters. That is actually what a church is. A church is a gathering of saints, a gathering of Christians who gather to worship. And so it's so important to meet. You know, you can't be a Christian on your own. You have to meet up together and gather with people. And, you know, we had the whole pandemic, COVID stuff, didn't we? And there was a lot of talk about virtual church. But I'm sorry, I think virtual church is just not real church, right? You can't have a virtual marriage. Did you know that? Right? And, and you know, actually fellowship is like that. You can't be a virtual parent, right? You just can't do it, right? You need actually to meet up with people face to face. In 3 Johnny, he talks about how I long to see you face to face because that's actually where you communicate and fellowship best. You need to meet and gather and experience gathered worship as we had this morning and experience preaching from the word that challenges you and teaches you and inspires you or maybe convicts you. Um, we need that regularly. All of us need that in order to function as Christians properly um, in our world. And so we need to prioritize meeting together. If you're a Christian, you need to be prioritizing, I'm going to meet together. I'm going to attend this church as a priority week in, week out, apart from you know, certain occasions where things might happen, whatever, but family responsibilities and things. But you know, you're going to prioritize coming to church. As you know, I came to church the day after my wife died. You know, it's a priority because I want to be there. I want to fellowship with people. And that's what I will do. And that's what everyone should do. And it's really challenging that this is written to people in times of persecution. And people around the world today do risk their lives to attend church. And sometimes people get shot leaving church or attending church. Or sometimes people get blown up. Or sometimes people get attacked or mugged, whatever. And they still go to church and they take that risk. And we have it easy. And how, so how much more should we prioritize and make sure that we get to church every week on time, as has been said a few times, um, and be there and prioritize it? Um, during COVID, um, we helped challenge the legal ban on church gathering. We thought, this is outrageous. How can you ban people from worshiping God, gathering to worship God? And we had a fantastic legal ruling that actually it was illegal for the government to ban worshipping. And so I hope that it never happens again that the government bans Christians, makes it illegal to gather and worship. It was crazy. You could, the church could run a food bank, but you couldn't sing a song in the food bank because that would be illegal. You couldn't pray in the food bank because that would be illegal. They specifically banned Christian ministry. Christians doing it is okay, but Christians doing it in a Christian way, you can't do that. So anyway, we got that ruled illegal. And um, in times of plague, you know, Christians carried on meeting. 
much, much higher death rate than COVID, a hundred times higher death rate than COVID, if not more than that. Christians carried on meeting. You know, we should carry on meeting. And the priority of being a member means you attend and you attend and you attend and you meet and you get to know people and you allow God to challenge you through other people and all of that kind of thing. So then, number two, pray for your church. Um, what does it say there? Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Um, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. So we have a duty to pray for each other, don't we? And to pray for the church that you are in. When was the last time you prayed for this church? Or prayed for the leaders? Or prayed for people in the church? Or prayed for the Sunday morning service? Or prayed for something else that the church was doing? Because we should be doing that every week. Should be doing it. It should be part of our prayer life is to pray for the church, a responsibility. Every one of us has a responsibility to pray for the church. And there is a prayer meeting that takes place every week at 9.45 before the service. We had a great time this morning, about eight or nine of us um, there. Anybody is welcome to come along and join that. You know, get involved and pray, but pray on your own as well as with other people. But we should be praying for each other and praying for the church. That's the responsibility of being a church member. Um, here's one that's not often talked about. Help preserve the gospel. Let me read what this verse says. Uh, Paul writing to the Colossian church, he says, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel. Wow, this is the early church and they've gone to a different gospel. And the point is here, that he's not just talking to the leaders of the church or the elders, he's talking to the saints in the church, the ordinary people in church. He's saying, I'm, I'm astonished that you, ordinary church members, you've turned away from the gospel. So in other words, the responsibility on all of us, there is a responsibility on the elders definitely to preserve the doctrine and teaching and to preserve the gospel, but there's also a responsibility on all of the church members if our church somehow goes wrong or your church somehow goes wrong. It's like, what did you do? How do you do that? Why did you end up following a different gospel? I'm astonished, says Paul. How do you let that happen? And the whole church let it happen, not just the leaders. The whole church let it happen. And there are churches that have gone and become cults and done all sorts of crazy things. And you think, how did the church members even carry on with that and keep on with it? They shouldn't have done. So we have a duty as church members as well to preserve the gospel and make sure the church is preaching the truth and preaching the Bible as it should be doing so. Then, um, here's one that, did we forget to mention this one? Love one another. Love one another. A new commandment I give you that you love one another just as I have loved you so you also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That's a, a really striking thing, isn't it? You know, um, and it's you know countercultural in a way, and a witness to the world should be a witness to the world that we love each other, and that there's got to be a sacrificial love, hasn't it? As well, that we'll go out of your way to help someone, to pray for someone, to encourage someone, to know that you know be there for someone when in tough times, <laughs> and help people. And, uh, and we're going to talk more about fellowship next week, but, you know, great to hear about life groups 
um, from Salmon and Taron. That's where you really get to know people and love people in life groups, um, fellowshipping with them. And people, you, people should feel loved in church. People should feel that they're loved. And you should feel, I love these people. And you, know, you can't love all 200 people the same way. But in a life group, you can love everyone in that life group and get to know them well and, and show love to them. And so this is a responsibility that we have as church members to love one another and to love each other sacrificially and to give love and share love with other people. And that is something that will witness the world. People will see the church and see how we love each other and think, wow, I want to be part of that. I want to, I want to have some of that. How do I get part of that? And, uh, and wow, nobody's ever loved me like this before in a sacrificial way like that and want it and want to hear the gospel um, as a result of that. Um, then somebody did say, encourage one another. I've picked a different verse for this. Let us consider how to stir one another up towards love and good works. Encourage one another. So this is something that all of us as church members can do. Encourage each other. When was the last time you encouraged somebody in the church? Um, just gave them a little encouragement about something that they've done or something uh, like that. I know that if somebody encourages me, I could live off that for like days or weeks, sometimes months. You know, if it's someone I really respect who encourages me, I'm like, wow, you know, this is good. I feel good now, you know. And of course, conversely, you know, discouraging words, you know, or harsh criticism, you know, that will make me feel fed up and upset, you know. I'm, I'm happy with constructive criticism, but there's an attitude that comes in with criticism that you can sense. Um, but my question is, you know, how are you doing on encouraging other people in the church in what they do, encouraging them to keep going and doing what God has called them to do and all that kind of thing? I had a great encouragement from Becca a few weeks ago. She just sent me a little message saying, I'm reading Daniel 5, and I remember you preaching on it, and it really helped me understand it. And I was like, wow, that's great, you know? Fantastic. I felt encouraged because that's what I want when I preach. People remember it and when they read the passage again, they'll think, oh, yeah, and Tim made these points. And that's like great, you know, understanding and remembering. That's what I want when I preach. And I was encouraged. And on Wednesday night, I had somebody I don't know very well at all sort of say to me, you know, you are doing fantastic work in what you write for Christian Concern. You know, and I read it and it really helps. I'm like, wow, somebody reads it and it's making a difference. You know, that's great. You know, and I was encouraged. By that. And it doesn't, it doesn't cost anything to encourage someone, does it? Right? It's easy, right? So encourage people. That is part of your job as a church member is to encourage other people in the church. Um, then, what about this one? Engage in ministry. I talked about how the church should equip the saints. Let's read this verse here. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So this is really interesting because <clears throat> in our consumeristic attitude, we can think, I'm coming to church to be ministered to. And it's Duncan's job or the pastor's job or my job, whatever, whoever's job to minister to me and make me feel better. And that's it. But this is actually, this says, no, the job of the pastor, the job of the apostle, the job of the prophet is not to do the ministry, it's to equip you to do it, to equip everyone else to do it. So therefore, all of us should be involved in ministry 
in some way or other and or learning to be involved in ministry or growing in ministry in certain forms of other or of thing and not having a sort of consumeristic sit at the back of the church town um, thing where you think someone else is going to minister to me and, and I'll just soak it all up and, and go away. No, no, no. You're meant to be growing in ministry yourself and learning how to do ministry yourself. And one of the best ways to do that is in small groups, isn't it? Um, so um, engaging in ministry and using your gifts is another thing that you need to do. And related to that, but slightly different, um, is serving. Paul says, do not use your freedom to judge the faith, rather serve one another humbly in love. Um, serving um, the church, serving other people, that's something all of us can do. I was very struck recently when I went to um, an event and this Christian person was interviewed and he said that it, when he first joined this church, he said to the pastor, what is the thing that nobody wants to do? because I'll do that. I was like, wow, there's a servant attitude, right? That's a servant attitude, isn't it? What is the thing that nobody wants to do? I'll do that. And I've forgotten what it was now. It's something like car park attendant or clean the toilets or something like that. And he went and did that, you know? That was his attitude, you know? I want to serve the church. And no surprise, now he's running his own ministry and it's really flourishing, because that's what happens to people who are servant-hearted like that. And so I challenge you, what, what are you doing to serve um, in the church? There are people today who've got here about 8.30 to help set up, put all these chairs out nicely for you, set up the PA and the video and the, all of this music stuff. And then afterwards, they'll put it all back again. And it's, it was all kind of hidden in a way, um, but it all happens because people have a servant heart and they serve in what they're doing. And it's not noticed, it doesn't get up at the front, doesn't often get thanks and praised for, but they're serving. And that's, all of us are called to serve in one way or another. One of the great things that, you know, I thought was great about this church when I first joined it was they immediately wrote me into serving. So, right, come and do the laptop now, week two or whatever it was, you know. And great, you know, yeah, let's get involved because that's how you get to know people, that's how you feel part of the church, that's how you start to grow in responsibility and so on. So I want to challenge you, how are you serving in the church? Because there are lots of ways to serve, lots of opportunities uh, to serve, and lots of things that you can do to help. And um, come and ask if you want opportunities along those lines. I was in my last church, I was sort of interim leading the church when the leader went off on sabbatical. And I had an amazing revelation about church. And I'll remember this for the rest of my life. You know, it's, it's a very powerful revelation I had about church. Because what happened was, we nearly ran out of toilet paper. <laughs> and I thought, wow, we can't do church without toilet paper. We just can't do it, right? Who's going to come to church with no toilet paper? And if you did, you'd never come again, would you? Right? So you've got to have toilet paper in the church and you know it, it had fallen through the cracks and the person who normally did it was off away whatever and we nearly ran out of toilet paper I thought gosh we could manage without a preacher somehow we, you know we'd muddle through we could manage without a worship leader somehow but without toilet paper my goodness you know you can't really do that you know and I sort of thought gosh there's all these things that are essential right that get done behind the scenes somebody gets the toilet paper for the center over the road I don't know who it is 
but it, it has to be done, right? It has to be done. Somebody's got to do it because without that, you can't function as church. That shows the absolute importance of serving in hidden roles that, you know, are some ways more important than the things that get done up front, whatever, you know, because you can't function as a church without all these little things that somebody is doing in serving the church somewhere down the line. So I'm challenging you to um, get involved in serving in some way or other if you're not already involved and, um, and see how you can serve the church. Um, here's another one, use your gifts. Let's read this passage from Romans chapter 12. For as in one body we have many members and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them in prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving. The one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So, and there's, that's a list of gifts there, and you can see them um, prophesying, service, again, um, teaching, exhorting, giving, leading, giving acts of mercy. Um, there are other lists in the Bible of other gifts as well. If you don't think you fit into any one of those ones, there are lots of other gifts as well. So my question to you is, what is your gift and are you using it in the church? Because God has gifted everybody, right? God has gifted everybody and all of every person here has got gifts of some kind or other. And so, first of all, do you know what they are? And secondly, are you using them? Because you should be using your gifts in the church and that's what... This passage is saying, we're all members of one body, but we've got different gifts. And God wants you to use your gifts. And he's given your gifts so that they can build up other people, encourage other people, and serve other people in the church. So you should be using your gifts in the church. Um, here's one that's not often talked about, church discipline. And um, in this passage here, Jesus talks about it. And he says that in some cases, things should be brought to the church. Uh, let's just read that. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, but you've, you've gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that, you may, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a gentle tax collector. So this, so this is a situation where somebody has been um, quite badly wronged by somebody else in the church, quite seriously wronged. And part of what he's saying is don't go to court, go to the church. Don't sue them. Go to the church and get the church to sort it out between you and find ways to sort it out in the church. But the church actually is, has a responsibility to take some action or decide what is right or decide uh, what should be done to somebody who's done something wrong. And church discipline kind of works like this, really. If I was to commit adultery... Um, I should be stopped from doing any ministry. I should certainly stop from preaching um, for quite a long time. And any other leadership responsibility should be taken off me. The same would apply to anybody in any ministry situation. If they're found to have engaged in some serious immorality, they should step down from that spiritual leadership, that spiritual 
responsibility for a season. That's what church discipline is. And if they're unrepentant, then it should be explained to the church. And the church should recognize it and see and know and be informed and say they're no longer actually part of our church, no longer welcome as a member of church because they're unrepentant for this immorality or whatever it is thing that they've done. And church discipline works like that. And we have a responsibility as members to uphold that and make sure that you know, people are not openly engaging in immoral behavior or wronging other members in some serious manner and uh, engage and, and participate in that when it happens. And hopefully it doesn't happen very often. And it doesn't happen very often. But sometimes it does, and something needs to happen about it when it does. Um, here's another one, give generously. Now, we had a whole series about money not very long ago, so I'm not going to spend a long time on this. I did teach about it then. Um, Let the elders who rule be considered worthy of double honour, especially those who labour in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and a labourer deserves his wages. So... As a church member, you do need to be giving to your church. And giving to church should be, I think, your primary giving and the first thing that you give to and, um, and you know, a significant chunk of the, the money that you give to whatever causes and charities and groups. Certainly give to other organizations and ministries that you're passionate about or connected with as well. Um, but you should be giving to your church and you need to give to your church and church uh, needs to be supported Financially, it costs money to run church. It costs money to hire this building every week. It costs money to get the equipment and so on. It costs money to pay for staff and so on as well. And so it can't be done without people giving generously. And we all need to, as church members, be giving generously um, to our church. Um, I've just got a few more things now. Witness to the world. Here's one. This is a verse that is... Um, is um, well-remembered by Gemma and I because Duncan preached on it at our wedding. Um, in your hearts, honour Christ the Lord as holy. When Duncan preached, he's, I think he said, set apart Christ as Lord. Slightly different version, perhaps it was. Um, Always be prepared to make a defence to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Um, so notice what that's saying there. You know, when you have an opportunity, when somebody's asking you, what difference does it make to you, your faith? Or why are you a Christian? Or why do you pray? Or why do you go to church? Or whatever the question might be, you should be ready, ready, just ready on it. You know, I know what to say when they ask that question, right? I'm ready. I've got it. You know, Jesus made the difference to me, right? And you've got your own story about what Jesus did for you. And you've got your own story about answers to prayer that you have had and you've got your own story about how you became a Christian and so just be ready to explain just be ready to give it just be ready to tell your story a witness tells their own stories tells what they've experienced tells what they've seen well you have experienced you've got your own experiences your own testimonies you can share them you need to be ready to do it and and uh, take those opportunities and you should be a witness unashamed of your faith in the workplace, amongst your relatives or whatever other group it is, they all should know that you're a Christian. And one day, sometimes they will ask you why or what are you doing or what difference does it make? And then you're ready uh, to answer them about it. Here's another one. Honour your leaders. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labour among you and who are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love 
because of their work. We don't often talk about honour in our culture. We have quite a cynical culture, don't we, that tends to be cynical about leadership generally and cynical certainly about politicians and political leaders and so on. This is saying let's not be like that about church leaders. Let's not be cynical. Let's actually give honour, give praise, thank people, talk well of people when they're, when they're engaging in servant leadership and serving well and doing a great job, honour them, recognise it, give them the honour that they deserve. That's the responsibility that we have as church leaders to ensure, as church members, to ensure that our church leaders are honoured appropriately. Um, just two more. Here's one. Preserve unity. Don't often think about that one as well, do we? Preserve unity. What was Jesus' prayer was that we might be one. That we should be unity. Let's just read this verse. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. See that appeal for unity. Please agree with one another. Please agree, is what Paul's saying there. Please agree. Let's be united. Let's be in agreement about things, you know? And sometimes... People can be divisive and sow division and, and, you know, and, you know, and get into different partisan groups about things that aren't really that important. Obviously, there are things that really do matter in the gospel, but there are lots of other things that people disagree about, maybe style of worship, maybe approach of this or whatever it might be. You know, and they say, no, 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 don't do that. You know? Sowing discord or sowing division is described as an abomination in Proverbs chapter 6. Verse 19, and it is a reason for church discipline from Titus chapter 3. Uh, warn a divisive man once the second time and then have nothing to do with him. That's a form of church discipline. So we need to not be diver divisive and we need to be trying to preserve unity in the church. And that's the responsibility that all of us as church members have. Um, here's one, keep yourself in God's love. You, need, you have a responsibility for your own relationship with God. Right? Nobody else can do it for you. Did you know that? I can't pray for you in the sense of doing your prayers for you. Right? I can pray for you, but I can't, you know, I can't keep you in your own relationship with God. You need to do that yourself. Let's just read this verse. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Keep yourself in the love of God. So you've got to keep your own relationship with God good. You've got to keep preserving that. You've got to work on it yourself in your own quiet times, reading the Bible regularly, praying regularly, engaging regularly with God, thinking about what God's asking, seeking God's voice, seeking God's face, and worshipping, and all of that. You've got your responsibility to do that yourself as well. And finally, an unpopular one, perhaps, um, that book is meant to be um, coming as a uh, um, separate thing. But there we are. Um, there's this verse in Hebrews, Obey your leaders and submit to them, uh, for they keep watch over your souls as those who've been given, uh, or have to do that as someone who has to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Sorry, you can't read it properly there. That book there, which I read recently, uh, is called The Book Your Pastor Wishes you would read, but brackets, but is too embarrassed to ask. It's a very short book, it's only about 50 pages. Um, but it's basically an exposition of this verse here. 
And it's talking about obeying your leaders, but also letting their job be a joyful one, right? And how do you let a leader's job be a joyful one? By encouraging them about what God's doing in your life, right? By encouraging them about how God's using them. By being someone who is a joy to lead, a joy to be part of the church, a joy to serve. And that's what we need to be. And so there's a responsibility that we have to be the kind of people that it's a joy to lead that kind of person, right? Because they are just, you know, so on it and serving and on fire for God and doing what is required and, and doing what the pastor wants them to do and all that kind of stuff. And so we have a responsibility as church members to be doing that as well. So here's the list, right? As I come to a close, all right? I'll leave it there for you to read. But I want to ask you, which of these things do you need to do more of or have you not been doing, right? You as an individual, right? Which of these things, as I've just explained there, do you thinking, gosh, I haven't done that or, oh, I need to think about that or, or I need to start doing that, right? Because um, that's what I think God is saying to you today out of this message. All right? And I think everyone will have something where they think, I could do this better, or I could do more of this, or I should do more of that, right? Encouraging, whatever it is, loving one another, engaging ministry, serving, using your gifts, giving generously, whatever it is, you know, what is it for you that God is speaking to you about? Let's stand up, shall we, and we'll just close in prayer. Um, your church needs you. So I'll just let you um, tell God. Maybe you need to tell God that you're going to do something or start something or maybe you need to make some resolution with God or maybe you need to even um, repent of something and say sorry to God for not doing something that you should have done. Um, I'll just leave you a little bit of space just to have a brief conversation with God about what you need to do out of these things that I've been sharing today. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you've made us a body of many parts and we're all different. Thank you that we're all different, Lord. Thank you you've gifted us all with different gifts and abilities and passions and desires and experiences and so much diversity here in the room today. So much diversity here in this church. Thank you that you've called each one of us to be part of this body, part of this body. And I want to pray that we would be such a healthy body of Christ with every member engaging, every member serving, every member using their gifts, every member growing, every member being discipled, every member thinking year on year, yes, I've grown in the faith, yes, I've got deeper in the faith, yes, I'm learning, yes, I'm growing, yes, I'm getting better. I can look back and see how I've grown in the faith and serving better, ministering better, praying better, all of these things of God. We just want to pray that you would use us. We pray that we would love each other, we'd disciple each other, we'd encourage each other, we'd serve each other, all of these things, Lord, and you would put stir us 
stir us to do these things, Lord. Thank you for how you've been speaking to us today. I pray that you would just solidify those resolutions that we've made as individuals and let us be the kind of people that you want us to be and let us do what you've told us to do and be the people you want us to be in this church. And let it be a flourishing, growing church in Jesus' name.